Peter, and welcome to the Oxano Podcast. Oxano is a worship service for college students and young adults that takes place weekly during the school year at Dawson Family of Faith. If you're ever in Birmingham, Alabama on a Tuesday night, we hope you'll join us as we worship through song, prayer, and the Word. Thanks for listening. Now a reading from the Holy Scriptures. We're going to be reading in the book of Psalms today, chapter 96, starting in verse 1. O sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless his name. Tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the peoples are worthless idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. This is the word of the Lord. Tonight here at our last Oxana of the semester, we're going to be coming together to consider why on earth do we sing? Maybe it's something that you've never really stopped to think about before. Uh, maybe you grew up in church and you were there from when you were in the cradle and it's just something that's always been a part of your culture. Something that's always been a part of what happens when you come together with God's people is that you sing. Or maybe you're a little bit newer and you're like, okay, well, I guess I can kind of sort of see why this, so you don't really question it that much. Or maybe you're here for the first time tonight, somebody brought you and you're like, okay, that's kind of cool, but like y'all sing a lot. What's that? And some people really sing, uh, you know, when they're really feeling it. Why do we sing? And really, when we take the time to be able to stop and to evaluate these kinds of things, I think that it brings a whole lot deeper meaning for us. And when we can realize why God has given this to us, we get more out of it and we are able to walk in greater truth. And so as we come together tonight, as we consider why do we sing, we need to acknowledge at the very beginning that it's kind of weird, honestly. There was an article that I bookmarked a couple of years ago because there was a paragraph that was kind of arresting for me. And this is what the author had to say. This is what she said. Where in our culture do you find ordinary, untrained people gathering to sing? Maybe the national anthem or your school's fight song Happy birthday, I suppose, in the car on a road trip, I guess. But really, when do adults in large numbers belt out the same song? A concert may be the closest thing, but even here, the primary point is to be entertained as someone else sings. I'm not sure where you would go this week for more than three minutes of organized singing except to church. And you see, the thing about this is it's a hallmark of Christian gatherings, and it has been from the very beginning. You look at Acts chapter 2, and that's a passage that a lot of people go to when they're really talking about like the Christian community, right? When the breaking of the bread, the fellowship, the prayers, all that kind of stuff. But it says that they were praising God together, that they were gathering together. But it goes back even further into our Jewish heritage, 
That when we see God's people in the Old Testament, that there are almost more than a hundred references to song or to singing in the Old Testament. It's prolific throughout the pages of Scripture, but that's not even considering the fact that we have a book of the Bible that is a song book. That God has given us the Psalms and that songs are so woven into the worship of God. Why do we do it? Why do we sing? Well, singing takes the language of words and melds it to the language of music. And God uses it to drive truth deeper into our minds and deeper into our hearts. It's why, have y'all ever listened to a song, maybe on a road trip? I, I really like just going back into like old albums, like pl- things that I used to listen to in high school. And it is incredible. Like I could not have listened to a song for a decade, but that song, that track drops and I'm picking right back up with those lyrics that I have not consciously thought about, but that had worked its way. It doesn't make sense. The fact that it is more data that our brains are trying to memorize and that we are not just having the lyrics, but we are having the musical notes. We are having all of this add, these added components, but somehow it makes it lodge itself deeper into our hearts and into our minds, and it shapes us in ways that we realize or not. And as we go through, as we think, God, he has so designed us this way because singing expresses emotions or feelings or truth in a heightened way. Singing adds height and depth to our words and to our feelings. And so tonight as we come together, there are four things that I want us to be able to see from different places in God's word. Psalm 96 that Cole read for us, set the table. And we're gonna be bouncing around the Bible tonight. So you can follow along in your copy of God's word or we're gonna be throwing it up here on the screens. But the first thing that I want you to see is this. Why do we sing? We sing out of joy. We sing out of joy. It's no surprise that one of the longest books in the Bible is the book of Psalms, the song and prayer book for God's people. And there are different kinds of Psalms Right? There are psalms of adoration, of confession, lament. But there are many psalms of great singing out of joy. Psalm 96 that Cole already read for us is one of those. But here, I'm just going to give you a machine gun right here. Psalm 5, but let all who take refuge in you rejoice. Let them ever sing for joy. Psalm 63, for you have been my help and in the shadow of your wings I will sing for joy. Or Psalm 67, let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon the earth. Or Psalm 84, my soul longs, yes, faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh sing for joy to the living God. Sometimes you are so overjoyed and elated that a squeal or a shout is necessary, or you just start breaking into song. Right, you know, for some folks, it, maybe it's on your birthday, right? You get that birthday card that drops in the mail and y'all are still at the age where you probably get birthday cards from grandma that have the good stuff in it, right? I don't get those anymore. Is I know, sad day, feel sorry for me. But as you're going through, right, you get the letter out of the mailbox, shh, open it up, take it out ever so slightly, tilt it upright, and you do the little... Is anything going to fall and hit the table? Oh, yes. 
And you're like, oh yeah, I can eat this week. I can go to the grocery store. I can fill up the tank with gas, right? That there are some of those, even just little moments where a squeal, a shout, a breaking into song, right? Is the only thing that can kind of capture the joy, the elation that we're being able to feel in that moment. And you see, I think that other cultures get it a little bit easier than ours. That as we're going through, you, sing, you see it in the pub songs of England, right? If any of you are soccer fans, Premier League, right? You see the people gathering together and the songs where they're all linked up and singing and they are throwing themselves fully into this song because it expresses something else that mere talk could not do. You see it in the tribal dances in Kenya of people coming together with beautiful color and instrumentation and the voices being able to sing out. Why? Because they are expressing things that mere words cannot convey. There are, so, there are occasions to sing and to sing with great joy. Singing almost appears to be the capstone of enjoying something. That's what C.S. Lewis would say. That praise doesn't merely express enjoyment in something but praise actually completes your enjoyment. That you are not fully enjoying something if you are not yet to the point where you are praising. And so we're coming together. And why do we sing? We sing to God and we are singing out of joy and we are enjoying him more than anything else. So why do we sing? We sing out of joy. Well, why else do we sing? Next, we sing out of loyalty. Out of loyalty. Some of you may have uh, fight songs or alma maters, right, that you're going through to express your loyalty to a particular institution, to a particular school, to a particular team, right? And when we sing these, we take part in, we demonstrate our loyalty to that which we are singing. There is a, a unifying rally that happens when people come together to sing the same thing, when they are synced up on the same message. But you see, this is a shadow of a reality of what happens when we sing to our Creator and to our Redeemer God. When we sing to Him, it is an act of loyalty that takes us completely, it takes us mentally, and it takes us physically. And we demonstrate this loyalty despite the circumstances. Despite what's happening in the world around us. We sing both when things are going well and when we have reasons in the world's eyes to be anything but joyful. We sing when the times are tough and when all of the good moments seem to have evaporated. We sing out of loyalty to our God. You see, this is what the prophet Habakkuk, just for you, Cole, right here, minor prophet action. This is what Habakkuk did right here at the close of his book in the Old Testament, where he says in Habakkuk chapter three, I want you to hear all of the those. This is Habakkuk painting the picture of all of the things that are going wrong. Though the fig tree should not blossom nor fruit beyond the vines, though the produce of the olive fail and the fields yield no food, the flock be cut off from the fold and there be no herd in the stalls. Yet... Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. That word yet is a demonstration of our loyalty to him. 
And you might be here tonight with a long laundry list of reasons in the world, eyes of why you should not praise God, why you should not lift up songs to him, why you should not be loyal to him. But as we're going through, we're, I mean, we're going to be singing some more songs here in a little bit, but maybe you need to start off these saying, yet. Before Karen and the band comes back up here in just a little bit, after we come out of 120 seconds of silence, you need to audibly say out loud to the awkwardness of the silence of the person next to you, yet. That you're going through and you have all of these reasons, though this is not going right in my life, though that is not materializing the way that I thought, though I am still in the midst of waiting for answers, though that has happened in my life, though that has been taken away, though all of this, yet I will praise you, yet I will take joy, I will rejoice in the Lord, the God of my salvation. And maybe in those moments where you're not really feeling it, you need to lean into the gift of what it means to be able to sing in a group of people. I love watching the people of God sing. I, I get to do it here every week. I kind of stand over there in the back. But I do it uh, Sunday mornings when we gather together. That's my favorite place to do it. When, I mean, it, it's awkward at certain points. I fully embrace that. You probably have seen me turn around and looking while everybody else is singing. You know, because it's one of those things, like when worship leaders say, I just want you to take this moment, it's just you and God. I want to be like, no, it's not. This isn't my Spotify playlist with my perfectly curated playlist. But no, this is the messiness, and this is me being together with God's people, singing. Because you know why? When I'm alone, it's beneficial, and it's wonderful, and the Lord can use that but he uses it in a deeper and truer way when we come together. Max Adams, uh, he was a longtime Dawson member. Um, he took me uh, out to lunch after I first got here to Dawson just because he liked to take care of the pastors on staff. And, you know, he liked to give me a hard time because I was, I'm a Bama guy and he's an Auburn grad and those different kinds of things. He would take me out to lunch again with Brad Gowing, our executive pastor, I mean, you know, to like nicer places than I would ever be able to get to on my own, you know, those kind of places. It was uh, about a year and a half ago that Max died. Um, and it was, I mean, it was really hard for a lot of people in our church, but uh, his wife, Judy, uh, it was hard on her as well. But I'll never forget being in service on one Sunday in the month after she passed, he passed away. We're singing Christ our hope in life and death. And I see her making her way through that song in the sorrow but with hope. What is our hope in life and death? Christ alone, Christ alone. What is our only confidence that our souls to him belong? I can't get that on my couch in my living room with Spotify, as wonderful as that is. But God used that in that moment where I was around some seasoned saints who had seen some stuff and who had been sustained through sorrow and I can see them sing. What that did for my faith and knowing that the worst could happen to me and God could be there for me in the same way that he was for Miss Judy. 
that it is a gift when God's people come together to be able to sing and to lift our voices together out of loyalty to him despite the circumstances, despite what's going on around us. And I would say this, despite what maybe culture has shaped you to view singing, how culture has shaped you to view singing. Other cultures get this, maybe again, in a way, I think that ours don't. I don't know where, I really, it would be a fascinating sociological study if any of you want to write a paper about it and email it to me. About what it is with particularly men in the South. And I see at certain points, and I can say this in the comfort of this room, right? Because we trust each other, we love each other. But of growing up, and I can remember in different church contexts where, you know, we would be singing and people would be leading but then inevitably you would have the and I think if I'm if I'm trying to be charitable and if I'm trying to understand and see the best place that's coming from it's from a desire to be reverent to, to fear the Lord in a certain sense but I don't think it's reverential or honoring to the Lord to do the opposite of what his word commands us to, to sing unto the Lord, or maybe even to take up some of what David said of I will become even more undignified than this. Now, I'm not saying you need to go streaking through the sanctuary or anything like that, like what he did. But what I am saying is that are we being shaped more by cultural or passed down traditions or by wanting to give off a certain image in worship where we are more focused on the eyes horizontal than how we are presenting our hearts before the Lord vertically. I would encourage us to sing because the Lord is doing far more in that moment than we could realize. It was a gift. Uh, Becca and the boys surprised me. You probably saw some of them running around. Thomas was really excited about his time. He just wanted a lanyard. That's what you heard him yelling about back there probably before they left. He really wanted to take one home. Had to tell him we can't do that. But going through, uh, I mean, I have two boys, and I'm, I'm really trying to figure out this fatherhood thing. I really want to do it good. I don't want to mess them up. Uh, I, want, I want to be a good dad. And so I've been trying to talk to and learn from and listen to people that are smarter than me on this. And so there's a guy named Anthony Bradley. Um, he was up at King's College in New York. He's on staff at Redeemer, Tim Keller's church up in New York City, Presbyterian guy, wicked smart. But he does a lot of, his sociological research area is on fatherhood, masculinity, different things like that, raising boys. And he was going through, and I was listening to a podcast that he was doing, and he says, if you go back and look at the data, it is not the contributing factor, but it is a contributing factor of being able to hand down faith from one generation to the next. Obviously, it's got to be under the influence of the Holy Spirit. But he said, if you go through and you look at the data, one of the factors that the Lord seems to use in that process is kids seeing not just their parents, but specifically their fathers, seeing them sing. And what that does and how the Lord seems to take pleasure in using that. And I've, I felt that I had to stop the podcast and I had to be like, how can I get around my boy and sing? 
that the Lord uses, praising him to bring honor to his name, but it's also a testimony and a witness to the people around us, maybe in ways that you could not even realize or anticipate. So when we sing to God, we're singing out of loyalty, and we sing because he has been faithful and loyal to us. And a third and related point out of loyalty. If we are being loyal to someone, then it means that we are being disloyal or this. Thirdly, we sing because it is out of defiance. Hmm. That's fun. You want to be rebellious? You want to buck up against the system? Sing. You want to really show it to somebody? You really want to let people know where you stand, that you are loyal here and not loyal there? Then sing. We sing in defiance of our situations and circumstances. We, we see this in the New Testament with the Apostle Paul. I love it in the book of Acts. Acts chapter 16, Paul and Silas, they were thrown into Philippian prison for exercising a demon from a fortune-telling teenage girl. But rather than sulking in their cells they are cursing in their chains, they do this. Acts 16, verse 25. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. Just imagine that, right? You're there in your jail cell and you are seated in chains and you're like, I was doing the work of God. Like, and I mean, that was pretty cool. Like when we exercised that demon out of that girl. But like, why can't everybody else see that that's so cool? Like, why, why are we in here right now? And they could have been going through and they could have been like, okay, well, this is how we're going to uh, state our defense. Or this is what we're going to be. This is who, you know, we're going to make that phone call. Well, actually, the phone's right there. So this is who we're going to write a letter to, right? You know, be able to see if they can work something, pull a string, get us out of here. They're not strategizing. They're not sulking. They're singing. And when everybody else is just trying to go to sleep, these two guys are lifting their voices in defiance to what threw them in there. They're not bending the knee to the Philippian regime. They're not conceding their mission from God. They were loyal to Jesus and they defied those who would seek to stop the mission. Not with violence, but with singing. It's one of the things I think is just a great heritage that we have from the civil rights movement. I mean, even things that we're able to see right here in our very city, right over that mountain right there. That so much of what we were able to see was not met with violence, but rather singing that came through the protests. Singing in the face of violence and shouts and cursing, that the Lord can use singing in a significant way. And maybe you haven't been in a jail cell. Maybe you haven't experienced anything to that degree, but maybe you felt constricted or contained or imprisoned in other ways. Maybe there was a divorce that deeply affected your family. And where you had only seen stability. And yeah, there were problems, but you thought, yeah, they're going to make it through. But they didn't. Or when that person that's close to you dies and you just always thought, man, they're, they're just always going to be there. 
But then you're standing over their open casket. Maybe there were rumors spread about you. You were bullied. Maybe anxiety, insecurity layered one on top of the other. There are all of these things, that, these circumstances. They would try to squash out your singing. I would want to encourage you to sing in defiance of those things. I would want you to sing through them. Uh, I mentioned last week, you know, originally from Sand Mountain, and I talked about our church a little bit up there. Um, you know, don't have a worship leader. Everybody's the worship leader. You go, you pick the red book, the green book, right? Somebody walks to the front, says, green book, number 42. Right, and then you just start singing that song. I talked about Mr. Keller last week who had lost his adult son to brain cancer. But I'm going through and I'm reflecting more on that. And uh, my mom and dad were some of the music leaders in that church. My mom played piano and sang and my dad played guitar. And, you know, growing up, I hated music just because I had to be at church all the time because of dang music practice. There were all these other things that I wanted to do, but I had to go there so they could rehearse, you know, different things like that. You had to be pretty skilled just to be able to pick out a random song on the fly, right? But now as an adult and just the, the affinity that I have for music and the way that the Lord has redeemed that in my life, but also the more that I've learned about my mother Every time she sings now, I weep. Because I've learned more about her story and the difficulty and the pain that she had to endure that she shielded me from growing up. But of how she was forced to grow up a lot quicker than she would have ever wanted. Of how she had to essentially be a mother to her younger brother, feeling virtually abandoned, being abused by, I didn't realize she was engaged before my dad. But to hear and to be able to see all that she was going through. And now when I hear her sing, I see it that she is singing in defiance of all of those things that had come before. And she is singing out of loyalty to God who has brought her through. She'll go through and she'll sing songs uh, like from the Gaithers. Y'all probably don't know who they are. Gaither vocal band. Anybody? No. Oh, yeah, let's go. <laughs> Little as much when God is in it. Labor not for wealth or fame. There is a crown, and you can win it if you go in Jesus' name. That's a testimony of her life. That little as much when God is in it. That she can go through and she can sing these songs. And I weep. And she has a beautiful voice. And I love to hear it. But you might not have a beautiful voice. And I would just want you to know that that's okay. That's one of the beautiful things about singing in a group. Because there's something that happens, right? Love covers over a multitude of sins, Scripture says, right? A choir covers up a multitude of off-key notes. That there's something that happens when we sing together that the sound merges into one voice. And Keith and Kristen Getty, they write and do a lot of the songs that we do here at Dawson and even some here at Oxana. And I really love one of the lines that 
Keith Getty writes in his book called Sing. It's this. You don't have to have a professional voice. You just have to have a confessional one. What does that mean? You have to believe what you're singing. You have to be able to confess that this is true. And I will tell you this, y'all. This is why you need to take great care with what you are singing. You need to be a part of a church that takes great care to cultivate what you're singing. This is why you don't need to just go to the top 10 on Spotify worship, but you need to go through it. Why? Because if we're singing these things to God, you want to be singing true things to him. If I were to go up to Becca and be like, my goodness, I just love your pixie cut blonde hair and your bright blue eyes and fair skin and just, it, it just captivates me every time. What would happen? Slap me across the face. Because my wife has long brown hair and brown eyes and a darker complexion. That you can say things with a certain tone, but unless it is true, it dishonors the person that you're saying it to. You need to be saying true things and singing true things to God. And that's why the songs that you sing need to be plagiarizing the Bible drawing deeply from the well of the word. As we're going through, we are singing out of loyalty and out of defiance to all of these other things and because God has so captivated us. But there's only one reason why my mom can sing. There's only one reason why you can sing and it's this last point. We sing because we have a God who sings. Did you know that? That scripture actually says that God sings. Zephaniah chapter three, verse 17. The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love, he will exult over you with loud singing. Mm. That these words that have been so often used in different places of scripture, of things that we do, rejoice, be quiet, be still, exult, praise, these are all things that we see right here, God himself doing. We sing, but we have a God who sings over us, a mighty one who can save. We can rejoice because we have a God who rejoices over us. We have a God who will quiet us with his love like a mother's lullaby over her child. He quiets our anxious thoughts with his love. And he exalts over us with loud singing. Not just any singing, but loud singing. We have a God who sings over us. We sing because our God sings. We see it not just in Zephaniah chapter three, but we see it in the person and work of Jesus himself. We've just come through Holy Week. Maybe you've been a part of a church. You went back home. Maybe there was a Monday Thursday service. Maybe there was a Good Friday service. Obviously, Easter morning service, right? If not, find a new church. As we're going through, and what do we see happening with Jesus after the Last Supper in the upper room? The scripture says that they went out into the night singing a hymn. 
And as he's making his way up to the Garden of Gethsemane, they're doing so to a soundtrack of the Psalms. Or Jesus, when he's hanging on the cross, and he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It wasn't just something that Jesus spontaneously felt in the moment and pulled those words together. He was quoting or maybe singing Psalm 22. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Or maybe we're able to see it not just in his earthly ministry, culminating in his passion, but we look ahead and we see the singing surrounding him in the new heavens and the new earth. What we saw earlier this year, back in the fall, that surrounding the throne will be a people from every tribe and tongue and people and nation gathering around the throne and there singing praises to the one who redeemed them. We sing because we have a God who sings. And so here in just a few moments after the sermon's over and we do 120 seconds, the band's going to come up and lead a few more songs. And I hope that as we do so, that as we sing to God, that it wouldn't be just because it's what we're supposed to do. Or that, oh, I've been coming to Oxano enough, or I've been going to church enough, and I know that this is what's supposed to happen. But I hope that you will be able to find a voice. Maybe you'll sing tonight for the first time in a long time. As you embrace the awkwardness, as you start to get over insecurities or anxieties surrounding lifting your voice in a public setting and not trying to get rid of those things by pretending that it's just you and God, but being encouraged because you're looking around and we are being able to do what the book of Colossians would say, that we are allowing the word of Christ to dwell in us richly teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with thanksgiving in your heart to God, that you are helping us, you are helping others to worship by allowing the word of Christ to dwell in us richly. And then as we go out from this place this summer, that you would go into this summer singing. Singing by yourself, yes. Sing in the car. My goodness, that's a great place to belt it, right? Crank it up, roll the windows down, or keep them up, you know? And sing. Is your time alone with the Lord and His Word stale or stagnant? I would encourage you to fold in singing. But also, Figure out a way, whether you're working camp or whether you're working at a restaurant, figure out a way to be able to get around other people where you're singing. Or maybe you're not just going into the summer, but you're going into a new season. We got some of our seniors here tonight. In the face of the uncertainty, in the face of not knowing all the answers, or in the face of 
realizing I'm starting over in some ways. I would encourage you to sing. Despite the circumstances, despite the unknowns, and despite everything else that would make you be silent, go into this next season. Go into this summer and go singing. Let's pray. God, we're so thankful that you have, God, that you've showed us who you are and that you've worked such a, a great work on our behalf in the gospel, God, that you are worthy to receive all the praises we could bring. So I pray that you would help us to find our voice individually and together and that you would be pleased. And as we do so, that it would complete our joy, that it would rekindle our loyalty to you, that it would put other things in their proper perspective. God, would we defy and testify to your goodness? And God, would you help us to hear the song that you're singing over us? So God, we love you. Help us to sing. It's in the name of Christ we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Oxano podcast. If you want more information on the songs that we sing at Oxano, you can find us on Spotify at Oxano Songs We Sing. If you have more questions about what it means to follow Jesus or about next steps in following him, please email us at connect at dawsonchurch.org. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.